everyone. Welcome to our newest episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, Bernhard Gunther, and myself, Laura Matsu. Um, and in this podcast, we're going to be talking about how we can use our healing to help others. But before we get into it, um, we do have a lot of new listeners to the podcast. And we just want to give a brief introduction to who we are. So I'll start with myself. My name is Laura Matsu, and I'm basically a psycho-spiritual coach is what I've named myself. And I like to weave together Western psychology, especially depth psychology like Carl Jung and Eastern spirituality. So, you know, Bernhard and I work together in the Embodied Soul Awakening 12-week group coaching program where we basically bring in all these different modalities that we've studied, myself coming from the more somatic psychology modalities, you know, Tibetan Buddhism, evolutionary astrology, um, and really weave together, you know, deep psychology with spiritual work. And the reason that why, why we do that is because as journeyers on the path, as many of you, we've noticed that the way to kind of eliminate the potential for spiritual bypassing is we actually have to understand our psyche. We actually have to understand our psychology. Otherwise, we can just be using spiritual techniques to just kind of feel better or just, you know, ascend with quote, quotation marks around it, but we're never really getting anywhere with our life. So our intention with this podcast is to give you t- practical tools that you can use so that you can really, you know, become who you truly are, discover your true self and really discover your true nature. So it is a psycho-spiritually based um podcast essentially. And we also talk about this in light of current events and Bernhard also brings his own unique perspective. So you can talk a little bit about yourself to people who are new. Yes. Uh, okay. Let me introduce myself uh, for our new listeners. My name is Bernhard Ganther. I'm Laura's husband, originally from Germany. I guess my accent gives it away, but I've been living in the US for almost 30 years now. Um, yeah. My background is um, i Came to the US studying drums and percussions. I have a background in, you know, making music, especially percussion, playing drums that helped me a lot in my own inner process, uh, so to speak, expressing myself creatively. And then I also got deep into somatic work. I've been a professional body worker for the past 15 years, studying various different massage, bodywork modalities, healing modalities um, that helped me also in my own healing process. And I've been working on over thousands of people. Uh, applying these modalities very successfully. Also, I'm a longtime student of yoga, Qigong, which I also teach. Um, I have also a background in uh, five rhythm dance and various shamanic practices. But my the bulk of my work is really on my website, veilofreality.com. I've been a researcher and explorer into various topics, uh, you know, that are coming more to the front, so to speak, in this day and age. And I've been writing, uh, you know, many, many, essays and articles on my website regarding to spirituality, shamanism, psychology, deeper self-work, esotericism, as well as the occult and hyperdimensional realities and what many people call conspiracy, quote, theories, which are not that much theory anymore. A lot of what's happening today I've been writing and talking about for literally over two decades and more and more people thankfully become aware of it. Um, so if you want to hear more about it or read more about it, just go to my website, veilofreality.com. And really the foundation of what we're doing, as Laura just mentioned, also with the Cosmic Matrix podcast and our online courses and whatnot is combining this necessary code inner and outer work, the inner work of really like deeper psychological, psycho-spiritual work based on the fourfold approach of holistic self-work on all levels, um, 
the fourfold approach, meaning physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, in context of the outer work, understanding the cosmic forces, the matrix forces, what's happening in the world, but also from a bigger picture perspective in light of the evolution of consciousness. And just a quick uh, reminder, we have a handful of spots left for our next round of Embodied Soul Awakening, which will start on April 11th. So by the time we release this podcast, it will start in a few days. So if you want to join us, you can either go to Bernhard's website at veilofreality.com and look under courses, or you can go directly to the application at awakenapply.com. So yeah, in this podcast, we are going to talk about why we need to heal to help others, what it means to be of service to others, and how evidently through being of service to others, we're going to deal with all sorts of projections, transference, counter-transference, which is basically a therapeutic term for overlaying what's going on, our unresolved experiences onto current experiences, essentially. We're also going to talk about karma really in depth from the Tibetan Buddhist perspective, the path of the wounded healer, and how it relates to this new moon in Aries we just experienced and what that was all about and how that's kind of setting the stage for this next cycle. And at the end, we're going to really talk about that transit in depth and what could have come up for us, how it relates to core wounds, early childhood stuff, etc. And on the second hour, um, which is only for members, you're, we're going to go into all the Chiron placements in depth and just talk about them one by one. And then you can kind of see based on your own astrology chart where your lesson and healing is potentially for this new astrological year. So, yeah, let's just get right into it. Um, so first of all, you know, the reason why we're really focusing on how to use our healing to help others is because I think that we've all experienced and maybe we're still experiencing this massive trauma of the past couple years and we're all trying to recover from it, I, I, I imagine, in different ways, whether we lost our job or whether you lost your job or whether you lost connections with family members or whether you maybe even lost connection with yourself because the stress was just so overwhelming that you didn't have a time to catch yourself and breathe. So we're at the beginning of this new astrological year. It's very interesting how it was conjunct with Chiron, this new moon in Aries, which just passed. Um, so I think the real focus for this next astrological cycle should have some amount of almost healing some of our wounds that we've gained over the past year, years, maybe our whole life. Yeah, and really the the basis of this um, episode podcast about uh, how to use our healing to help others goes align with the saying, as cliche as it is, but it's true, the more we heal ourselves, we help to heal the world, or we heal ourselves and automatically heal the world, because also based on a universal law, an absolute law, hermetic law, non-man-made law that is just absolute and affects everyone, as above, so below, or as within, so without. So likely, even we have talked a lot about on our podcast about shadow work, right? How we tend to project our shadow externally or whatever we haven't really healed within ourselves, we experience as fate externally, as Carl Jung said. But in the same token, the more we heal ourselves deeply within ourselves, it has ripple effects in our into the world, into reality, because everything is one, everything is connected, since we're living under the illusion of separation. So that's why we're also so big on this inner work, or the great work, as it's called. So the more we connect from our inner essence, our true self-being, our divine being, and work through the layers, our own wounds and traumas, the more of a positive effect we have on the outer world and can really truly be of service and help others. 
So a bodhisattva basically is someone who's dedicated to the spiritual path, but they're not doing it just for them anymore. And the reason they're not doing it just for them anymore is they've experienced what they call bodhicitta, an awakened heart. And this awakened heart genuinely feels the suffering of the world as if it's their own suffering. And that makes them naturally want to help others. So it's a natural response. And it actually comes as a result of your own spiritual practice and working on yourself. Um, so it's 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 a path basically that you can take. You can also not take this path. I'm just talking about this as one perspective because if we're talking about being of service to others, it's about using our own awakening. I guess you could say to also help others and wake other people up, and not our ego our ego strategies on awakening or the ego personality, the spiritually enlightened ego personality. I'm talking about an open heart that truly feels the suffering of the world as if it's our own. And it's actually this um, really, it really encompasses, uh, it's really best described rather in this quote by Pema Chodron, where she talks about uh, bodhicitta, compassion, and the bodhisattva. So I'm going to read it. And she says, uh, bodhicitta, which is the awakened heart, is also equated in part with compassion, our ability to feel the pain that we share with others. Without realizing it, we continually shield ourselves from this pain because it scares us. We put up protective walls made of opinions, prejudices, strategies, barriers that are built on the deep fear of being hurt. These walls are further fortified by all kinds of emotions, anger, craving, indifference, jealousy, envy, arrogance, pride. But fortunately for us, the soft spot, our innate ability to love and to care about things is like a crack in these walls we erect. It's a natural opening in the barriers we create when we're afraid. With practice, we can learn to find this opening. We can learn to seize that vulnerable moment, love, gratitude, loneliness, embarrassment, inadequacy, can all awaken bodhicitta. An analogy for bodhicitta is the rawness of a broken heart. Sometimes this broken heart gives birth to anxiety and panic and sometimes to anger, resentment, and blame. But underneath the hardness of that armor, there is a tenderness of genuine sadness. This is our link with all those we have ever loved. This genuine heart of sadness can teach us great compassion. It can humble us when we're arrogant and soften us when we are unkind. It it awakens us when we prefer to sleep and pierce through our indifference. This continual ache of the heart is a blessing when accepted fully and can be shared by all. And then essentially she goes on to say that this awakened heart is available to us anywhere, anytime, but it's it's affected by the clouds of our own perceptions, our own emotions, our own experience, basically. So we have it available to us, but it's kind of our fixed thoughts and the perceptions and the thoughts that we grasp onto and the stories we make up that actually gets in the way. And that's actually, personally, I I notice how it feels if you do your own healing work is you literally walk around in the world with a broken heart because you will see the immense suffering in the world. It's just, it will become even more clear to you. You'll see people in their delusion and their defense mechanisms and their coping mechanisms, you know, and you'll feel that in your heart as if it's your own, you know? So I think it's important, you know, for a lot of us, we think, oh, healing is just more, more love and more heart opening and no, but it's actually, you actually become sensitive more sensitive to the suffering of the world, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well said. I mean, we can, I mean, that 
ties into many other topics. I think we need to explore also the prerequisites for helping others, so to speak, because what does it mean to help others? As you mentioned, you know, the ego can easily interfere in this process. And as you were reading the qu quote about the rollout of Bodhisattva, you know, also in light of, it reminds me of in light of soul evolution, so to speak, that true Bodhisattva is a is a individualized embodied soul being on a higher level yes. of, 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 of being in, in its evolution of consciousness, well, right? Yeah, it's nothing I... you just decide to become. No, no, like no, you no. mentioned, it's a natural process then through the heart opening, through the layers, you become more connected to essence. You more truly feel connected to all the living beings and then really see reality as it is and then na naturally gravitate towards helping and healing others as well, correct? Yeah, and it's also highly related to being able to still the mind and develop that deeper awareness so that you're able to disidentify with your own personal eye, your right. own ego strategies, and more tune into the emptiness of the entire world, you know? So it's like the entire world becomes your problem, I guess you could say, because you've gotten that personal eye more out of the way. That's the whole point. And so I see a lot of people actually, they're very almost overly, you know, and it's not that your ego, like, you know, your ego plays a part, it plays a role, you know, but it's about disidentifying with all the strategies you use to almost like armor yourself up basically, you know? So if I'm like, oh, I'm more concerned about myself, I'm out for myself, I need to protect myself or whatever, then you're naturally not going to be yeah. open to the world, you know? So it comes as an, and then actually technically according to, uh, you know, the stages of Buddhism, the Hinayana, which is about stilling the mind and developing that deeper awareness needs to come first. So if we're in chaos and craziness ourselves, we're just going to transform for more confusion onto others, you know? So we want to almost be more empty so that we can be open to the other person's experience without kind of laying, layering our shit on top of it, I guess you could say. Yeah. And we all, and you know, we all tend to do that sometimes, but like I've noticed whenever my majority of my suffering comes, when I'm trying to grasp onto some sense of myself and then I abandon the other connections and relationships that are going on. Yeah, that reminds me also what um, again Sri Aurobindo talked about from his perspective of integral yoga. And I'm paraphrasing, you know, the seeker, the sadak, as he, as he becomes more aligned with uh, with his essence, divine will, and the psychic being opens up and takes charge. He, op he opens himself up more to the world, and then it's not only with dealing with his own suffering, but with the suffering of the world. It literally, feel the weight of the world on its shoulders because of the other forces interacting and weighing down on the collective. Yeah. So naturally you have to have like an embodied stronger sense of self to deal with that. Yes. Right, so to speak. So that's that's the idea of like that's you know the idea of service to others which I also want to talk about the idea of STO service to others and helping others you know is, is such a noble thing and but people don't really understand what it really entails and the traps and distortions of helping others for the reasons you just mentioned, because the ego can easily hijack it as well, right? Yeah. But before I want to get into that, I want to also talk about, um, you know, ultimately the the role of the bodhisattva also reminds me when I mentioned that, because I've written an article about this over 10 years ago, into more like, you know, let's say contemporary new age spiritual concepts like the wanderer, you know, um, from the raw material of, of highly developed souls coming back into this density to be help others during this transition or the family of light from Barbara Siniak's uh, teachings and whatnot, or the concept of the light worker, all of that, you know, which has been, I have to say, become very distorted and diluted in the new age arena. And um, if people haven't read my article yet, I, uh, 
recommend to read it. I wrote it exactly, actually, uh, 10 years ago called Wanderer's Purpose and, and Esoteric Work in This Time of Transition. You can find it on my website, veilofreality.com, where I talk about how the ego easily can hijack these concepts we identify as a healer, as a help, as a light worker, as a starseed or something, right? And with this grand mission of helping others. Um, but it, it requires, as you, as Lord just mentioned, certain inner alignment and state of being where you truly like have the ego in check, so to speak. Yeah. And ultimately, I was on, you know, to become to be, to truly help another person. It is also deeply related, which we, you will talk about uh, later about the, uh, the story of Chiron, right? The wounded healer, the archetype of the wounded healer. Yes. And that really what it comes down to, which is really the topic of this uh, episode as well. How the more you heal yourself as the wounded healer, the more you can help others. Yes, and this wounded healer archetype really came to the forefront because the new moon in Aries was conjunct Chiron, which is the asteroid of that wounded healer. So the role that Chiron plays is actually through our original wounding and through healing that wound, we become a great teacher for others in that area. And I've actually noticed more and more how much Chiron does play more of a role in the chart than I think it's being given credit for. So basically with this new moon in Aries, it could have triggered one of our core wounds you know, Chiron really represents the most tender, tender and vulnerable part of ourselves, the part of ourselves that gets most easily triggered. And when we do get triggered, it can bring up all sorts of beliefs about the self. So it basically represents where we were the most wounded, but upon healing that aspect of ourselves, we become the most effective or teach, uh, he teacher healer in this area. So it's about where we may feel scapegoated or handicapped or victimized in some way. And then this core wound becomes the main initiation that sets us on the hero's journey of healing. So basically with this new moon in Aries conjunct Chiron, it was about the wound to the self, meaning like not being able to stand up for yourself, not being able to express your instinctual will, it could be related to potential early childhood experiences with the moon, wounds to the mother, wounds around the emotions, the feminine. So Chiron and Aries is basically bringing to forefront a wound to the identity, you know, not feeling like you matter, not feeling like your needs are important. Sometimes maybe even dismissing your needs to the point where you don't even know what your needs are because you you sacrifice them to, to others, basically. So this can manifest in two forms, as an overcompensating attitude, like narcissistic grand Grandiosity, like I'm the best, only I matter, like this really self self focused uh, uh, without considering others. And it can manifest also as self diminishment. So, like, I am nothing, my needs aren't important, no one cares about me. So, Chiron is this, in, in Aries, essentially a wound to our yang energy. And if you suppress that life force, it will bubble under the surface. And just stay there and it will explode when someone touches that core wound and you'll explode usually with anger or rage. So, you know, there's a really high price to pay for holding your life force hostage. And the price that you pay is you end up living in a, a life that's basically not in alignment with what you want, with who you truly are. You suppress your spontaneity, your instincts, your vitality, your fire. 
So when you don't have a healthy sense of who you are, you are instead cast out into like this ocean of life without a self to center yourself in. So you basically become at the mercy of everyone's experience at the cost of your own, basically. So it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure you you can relate because your Chiron is an Aries. Exactly. I have natally Karen Aries. And as a matter of fact, obviously, then for anybody who knows astrology, I'm in the middle of my Chiron return, which takes a few years around the age of 50. And interesting, you mentioned, I I didn't even know that what you said... um, Yesterday, a few days ago, Chiron was conjuncting the moon in Aries. New moon in Aries, New moon yeah. New moon in Aries. And, yeah. you know, as you know, some stuff came up uh, also in my own, uh, you know, got re-triggered some childhood wounds. Very interesting. And I feel that's what my Chiron return is about, to really, like, bring back everything that I haven't really fully healed yet, you know, in, in terms of the, the archetypal um to themes you just mentioned of Chiron in Aries, right? Yeah. The wound to the self. Yes. And that what you described is really describes my upbringing or my journey as a very insecure boy, very, you know, uh, extremely shy and being bullied and all of that and losing myself, comparing myself. And it's interesting in that sense, you know, in light of what you just shared also in light of the wounded healer, I see my path also helping, you know, helping to empower others because I need to empower myself, yeah. right? And first, like, you know, it's a twofold journey to build a healthy sense of self, a healthy ego without spiritual bypassing. And then the next stage, even going beyond the ego, right? Transcending it and anchoring the d- divine and bringing the psychic being or the soul to the front. But I can really see this journey of of the wounded healer, you know, in that aspect in light of Chiron and Aries in my own life and how it relates to the work I'm doing. Because one of the main questions people always ask, how did you get into this work? How did you get into this work? Why are you start all this writing and all of that. And I always answer because I suffer, you know, and the suffering is really um, written down in my chart with Chiron Aries and other aspects. So that's where it's really coming from. On that note, I really want to share this real quick for people who are new to astrology. And uh, I was thinking about this this uh, morning as well as I was contemplating really the power of astrology. And I'm specifically talking about evolutionary astrology because we have talked about, or Laura specifically in other podcasts, how astrology has also become hijacked by the woke cult or new age distorted. And people can abuse astrology, use it as spiritual bypassing or just get hooked on transits and waiting for something to happen. But if you really apply evolutionary astrology, you know, especially the outer planets as asteroids, as Laura just mentioned, in conjunction with the work of deep psycho-spiritual work, psychological and spiritual work, it has tremendous impact, right? Because that kind of astrological insight gives you helps you to give you a more objective view and then helps you to really specifically use the work to work on these areas. And that has helped me tremendously in my in my process. And that's also something we'll go deeper in our courses as well just wanted to note that on the side note because it's 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 you know um astrology helps really to give you these deeper insights into your psyche basically exactly it shows you kind of your archetypal template and there's a lot of room to play with that you know it's not definitive at all and it's also you know um the astrology it's a psychic art as well so it's a psychic intuitive art and it also takes some amount of logic and rationality because you have to be able to read the chart basically which is very mathematical so you know we want to consider that and i want to just continue actually with chiron and talking about because it goes through actually several phases as well so you know first it starts out at this core wound that we get set on this hero's journey to heal 
And then we become a teacher or mentor for others in that area that we were first wounded, you know? So the, the wound that we most struggle with, we become the best healer or teacher for others in that arena. But then we go through another cycle with it. And then we have to actually watch ourselves and become a teacher that we don't become, you know, like overly inflated or Messiah be like, oh, I'm the best healer or whatever. And then we become the one who wounds. So that's a really Mm -hmm. important part that people miss with Chiron basically. And Melanie Reinhardt actually in her book with Chiron really uh, talks about this uh, very well. And she says, Chiron describes the nature of a person's contribution to life, the positive or negative, when it, sim- uh, when it symbolizes that for which she, he or she will be remembered, heroicized, famed, immortalized, or indeed condemned. So it is almost this place in our chart where we may experience infamy for better or worse, basically. However, from a psychological point of view, what we produce, do, or create can always be validated, admired, or denigrated by others, but the subjective and therefore enduring experience experience the spiritual journey is found within our own inner depths. And then she says where um, basically areas of the psyche psyche that connect to Chiron may be very vulnerable. Just as Chiron shows where we may already be wounded, so it may also show where we either fear or actually experience similar situations. So she's talking about the process of projection that can happen with it as well. This shows us in an area where the, the soul that still seeks healing and brings to mind the sword which heals the wound it inflicted, whereby what we dread and fear may be the very thing through which healing comes, basically. So a lot of Chiron transits can be, in essence, very painful and be exactly the thing we didn't want to happen, but was exactly the medicine that we needed. So that's actually what could have been coming up for people. And so she said, continues, where Chiron is involved, as we have seen above, there's a group of three figures, the healer, the wounded one, and the one who wounds. In a given individual life, one of these will usually be more obvious than the other two, or part of the shadow. Often the healer figure is more developed. This figure, of course, does not only represent someone literally works in this professions, but generally the way that someone is of service to others. So Chiron is where we go through a healing journey, basically. This is my words, by the way. I stopped the quote. A rebirth that often first involves feeling scapegoated, alienated, having some sort of loss or wound, even being victimized or sick. And this healing journey is an initiation in where we can be best of service to others. So we become that medicine that other people need through healing ourselves. And this helps us recover our uniqueness. And we make a real contribution of the world in this area. We feel a sense of purpose. So we may also become a teacher for others in this area, but keep it in check because continuously we have to keep working on this Chiron so we don't fall into power trips, self-inflation, because if we do, we become the one who wounds. So this is like more of these like, you know, spiritual teachers who get these Messiah complexes and then become egomaniacal. Like that's the negative Chiron basically. Um, so, you know, we, so we take several hero heroes journey with this Chiron to resolve this kind of repetition. So again, we use this core wound to expand our consciousness and it's almost like these layers of the onion, you know, so each layer that we pull off and, uh, and each level of healing that we pull off, the closer we get to the true eye, so our true nature. And this is really about merging heaven and earth, basically, merging the human experience with the divine. Chiron is half centaur and half man, basically. So we want to think about like kind of merging these two natures, this like 
animal nature and the human nature and the divine nature as well. So it's important that we actually, I think in my view, Chiron is actually teaching us how to get into a better relationship with our suffering and how to use that suffering for medicine for others, basically. Mm -hmm. Yes, very well said. So, you know, Chiron is, is a deep clue, the archetype of the wounded healer. Very important to understand, you know, especially in light of really wanting to helping others. And, you know, when we talk about the prerequisites for helping others, it means also that you are sincerely engaged in your own healing process. Uh, because there are many quote-unquote traps, um, you know, on this path towards awakening. As I've, I've mentioned this as many times before as well, which you're not aware of. The ego can easily hijack the process. The ego can also hijack the process or the idea of helping others, right? So we need to be really aware of uh, because many aspects come into it. Also, one of the aspects, like as Lord has shared with Kyan, that we can even damage or hurt somebody, we can also interfere with somebody's um, so lesson, so to speak. Yes. So there needs to be, even I, I, I wrote about this or even gave a talk about this, uh, the various traps on the path towards awakening. One of the traps is the trap of, of wanting to help others. And again, that sounds very counterintuitive because of course you want to help others. But what is it based on? Most Sometimes we help others in order to make ourselves feel better. So we have our own agenda you know, of how the help looks like and we are not really considerate of the other person. Yeah, That's number one. Also, to truly help another person, another person, as any healer, true coach, everybody knows, you know, uh, the other person needs to sincerely request and ask for it. You know, you on a very basic level, you cannot help people who are not willing to help themselves. Yeah. You know, and then if you base that on our own wounding, which I can relate to, I fell into traps of like savior victim uh, dynamics, right? Uh, attracting, um, especially my relationships, my past relationships. Uh, attracting um, chronic victims and I played the savior role. Oh, I need to save this person, save this Amazon in distress. But it was coming from my own wounding, my own childhood wounding, you know, relating to my parental upbringing and all of that, um, you know, almost trying to replay a certain childhood scenario of trying to save another person. Yeah. Um, in order, like almost like just to make myself feel better, and also the ego hijacked the so idea as well. So it's about you. It's it not was, about actually it was helping. Exactly them. about yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And I had to that had I was lying to myself about that. So and I see this a lot out there. You know. Yeah. So we need to be very very honest of ourselves where this intention of helping others comes from. Yeah, and I'll I can just say that this I so if you feel the need to emotionally manage others, most likely you actually had to emotionally manage your family. You were yes. the person who either fulfilled your parents' needs or you try and kept the family happy or whatever. So that develops as a coping mechanism, you know, where we had to figure, we had to do that for survival, basically, you know. And actually what you said brings to mind this quote by Jordan Peterson, where he says, do not try to rescue someone who does not want to be rescued yes. and be very careful about rescuing someone who does. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that, that's yeah. so true though like you know because it is it is it is about karma you know you actually you know, we can help others, we can give them a hand, but we can't walk their path for them. We can't do their healing for them. They all do that themselves, you know? So we have to watch out for kind of even interfering in their soul's process. Like there's a beautiful aspect of struggling with a problem, of thinking it through, of really contemplating it, you know, and really connecting with your own intuition and your own conscience on like what the best course of action is, you know? That's how your soul grows and develops awareness. But if we just go to someone for answers, all the time and be like tell me what to do tell me what to do you know 
we're there, they could be doing a disservice to us and we're doing a disservice to our own soul, you know? So we really want to think about that. Yeah. That reminds me of a very powerful lesson I learned in my own journey. Um, I was about 12, 13 years ago. I took a workshop learning about uh, deep body work and we had a gestalt therapy session, which is a very somatic, deep work. And there was a sharing circle in person and um, started with my teacher there for many years and very powerful teacher. And there's interesting, this one woman was processing or shared her story and she broke out crying, right? We're in this sharing circle in person. And she starts crying really, you know, and, and my teacher just holding space, letting her process, letting her talk. Then all of a sudden, this other woman comes up from across the other side of the circle, walks over and tries to give the crying woman a tissue. And my teacher says like to the woman giving that other woman the tissue, like, hold on, what are you doing? Don't give her this tissue. And she feels very complex. Don't give her the tissue, please. Don't interrupt the process. She didn't ask for that. And then the other woman went back to her place. He processed with her. And then the and then he asked the other woman, so why did you give, you know, did you give that woman, that crying uh, participant, the tissue? Which she said, well, I just thought she's crying, you know, wanted to help her out, but, you know, careful. But she didn't ask for it. But then he started processing with her. Why did you try to give her this um, the tissue? And then what came out, then she started actually breaking down and realizing what you just said, Laura, uh, that she is the caretaker in her family. She's always making sure that everybody is okay and that she has actually an issue with other people's processing vulnerabilities. So the reason she actually gave the tissue was actually out of her own self-interest, not truly to help the other person, but she didn't unconsciously didn't feel comfortable with another person crying. Exactly, yeah. So that's very fascinating. So that was a very powerful lesson also, again, to not give, when it says ask for, sometimes we can interfere healing process, even if it's based on our well-meaning intention, but where is it truly coming from? And sometimes we need to let the person process, go through the emotions without rescuing, without interfering in the process, because that's what needs to happen in this very moment. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we want to ask ourselves, where is it coming from, you know? And it really is actually important that we understand ourselves, our own early childhood, as cheesy as it sounds, how that templated our attachment patterns, our sense of self, et cetera, how everything, we, everything that was templated, at least in this lifetime, and how we relate to the world happened in the first few years of life. And I'm not saying that you can't change that. I'm just saying that that's our natural templating. So it's really important we actually understand you know, our own psyche, we work through some of our projections, you know, we understand what triggers us, what gets to us. We even understand when we're triggered. The reason being is because it's an essential survival skill when working with others to be able to manage projections, transference, and counter-transference. Mm. So transference is basically when you associate what's happening in the current relationship, the current experience in front of you with the past. So for example, happens super most obviously in, in intimate one-on-one -on -one relationships, but it literally happens all the time. We've talked about this on uh, in, in, in a previous podcast as well, if you want to go deeper, how to deal with projections and relationships. So it's basically when our inner experience, our psyche is overlaying a past experience under the present person. So we're making our partner out to be our mom or our dad. And then we respond to them as if they are our mom and dad subconsciously. We respond to the projection as if it's real. 
And this happens all the time and people miss it all the time. And, and so we want to become aware because what's most likely going to happen if you're doing deep work with people is you'll be taking to them to those early um, attachment experiences with their mom or dad. They're going to, and if you're doing deep work with them, they will have these psychic explosions and they're either going to, and they're going to make you out to be what their childhood experience was. And we do this all the time in our relationships unconsciously and it's madness basically. So we want to have some degree of like what our unowned, unhealed stuff is. So for example, if we're working with a client and a client is like, you know, really yelling at us and making us out to be like a bad person. And they're really angry at us and because they're angry at their mom or dad, but they're just transferring that onto us. Then if our mom was a very aggressive, angry person, then we're going to respond either emotionally or internally as if this is our mom shaming us again. And then that's the thing that we need to be aware of so that we can actually manage our own emotions and we can actually treat them as a person in the present moment rather than, you know, counter transferring our own unhealed stuff onto, onto the other person. So this is really hard to deal with. This is not like, you know, easy stuff. You know, lots of therapists who work with this transference have some, you know, they have to take years sometimes to work through some of these projections, but we at least have to be aware when it's happening and when we're triggered and what kind of core wounds tend to come up when we're triggered so that we can manage ourselves and that we're not, you know, Chiron becoming the one who wounds. Yeah. So that's a very important point. What a lot of people understand when they try to help others or people who have been, you know, in this, in this work for a long time, know about that, you know, once you really truly do deeper work and truly help another, they may, as Gurdjieff said, at some point work against you. And what do you mean by that? That they're going to start projecting their own stuff, which is being uncovered onto you. All of a sudden you become uh, the dad or the mother that abused and neglected them unconsciously, these projections. And as Laura just said, if you haven't healed your own stuff, then your own uh, on really made your own shadow conscious, so to speak, and integrated more and are aware of your own triggers, then you will mess like engage in counter transference, right? And you engage in the shadow um, shadow dance, so to speak. Yeah, which is not which we see all over the place nowadays, right? Yeah, you want to you want to basically neither resist or encourage the projections. Exactly, and that's so. Hence, one of the prerequisites is really that you have the, your shadow work down and like don't just react and don't identify with what everything comes up, but able to observe and respond consciously. Because even Reggie Ray, I don't know if you have his quote out, you know, um, talks about you know the role of bodhisattva. You know, you become really. He said it very bluntly, when you become the target of your projections, you become their toilet, right? They're just going to piss on you, so to speak, which happens, you well, know. No, well, basically what he says is that if you really dedicate your own awakening to be of service to others, you will attract people who will basically treat you like crap more yeah. and more and who will look for a target yeah. for them to put their so suffering. That, that's why this whole idea of helping others, it's not a lofty like Bodhisattva, I'm just going to be a light worker. No, it's intense work because also we know it from the hidden force or cold perspective, you know, other forces will also interfering in all of that, maybe uh, working through the other person with Tico and all of that. So it's you really have to have a strong warrior attitude to be grounded in this work. So if you have not really take i engage in this work yourself sincerely 
you will be uh, thrown off by the storm and by other forces and the projections coming from the ones you're literally trying to help. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, this neutrality is not you checking out of the experience. It's not the disassociative thing. You know, this neutrality has to come via self-knowledge, mm-hmm. meaning you, it doesn't mean that your, you know, your core wounds are not going to get triggered ever again. You're just going to work out your shadow. And then all of a sudden you're going to be perfectly equipped to help others. No, it means that you actually have the awareness, even maybe perhaps the ability to just kind of, you know, witness yourself, objectively observe yourself in the moment so that you don't react from your unresolved unconscious material. Meaning that, you know, if you can't stay neutral to someone that you're trying to help um, and you feel an emotional charge, it means that their projections are likely activating one of your core wounds as well. So it becomes a shadow dance. And actually, it can be a tremendous opportunity for healing in both arenas. But as a person, you know, who may be, if, especially if you're in a position of authority or therapist or coach or whatever, you know, you actually have to be able to hold your own material in that instance and not respond from an angry and triggered place, you know, and be like, whoa, this person is getting really angry at me. And it's reminding my mom get angry at, gets angry at me. And can I find ways to manage my own pain that's coming up so that I can kind of witness them objectively and actually help them, you know? Mm-hmm. So we want to, you know, if we, if you get into attack and defense mode there's a part of you that believes their projection and is responding to that projection and that's another psychological concept called projective identification where basically someone projects on us makes us out to be a certain person and then through the intensity of their projection we can become their projection basically so like for example if someone is like really angry and treating us as, as if we're aggressive but we're really calm through them being super angry with us and you know really kind of charged up they could turn us into that angry projection even though we weren't originally that one right so there's all sorts of hidden dynamics that can go on but essentially knowing how to you know knowing yourself knowing your childhood template knowing your core wounds knowing what triggers you you know knowing when you're triggered and how to deal with that is really essential you know to working with others so that's really key though what you going back to the prerequisite of helping others. It's not like you take a course, like, especially nowadays, I'm going to be a life coach, take this workshop certified course or just read a couple of books here and there. No, it's really about you quote-unquote graduate by the inner work, right? The more you have really healed yourself, made your shadow conscious, are aware of your childhood wounds, your own triggers, then the, the more of a powerful helping force you are, right? So in the second hour, as we're about to close up, we're going to go into each Chiron placement one by one. If you don't know where your Chiron is, you can easily go to astro.com and enter your birth details and create a free natal chart and you can check it out. Um, But some questions, some reflection questions to reflect on, you know, this new moon in Aries conjunct Chiron is like, who am I? Who is my real self versus what kind of false self did I maybe have to develop in order to get along in my relationships? Where am I still not speaking up for myself, expressing myself, what needs to be said? Do I feel a healthy relationship with my own body, my own instincts, my own sexuality even? Because this is all related to your will to be who you are in the world. You know, it's this yang energy to express yourself, to explore, to take initiative. So if you're suppressing this will, it manifests as um, suppressed anger, which usually shows up as frustration, depression even. 
Um, so just asking yourself, what's my relationship to my willpower, my spontaneity, my instincts? And then with Chiron, it's about how can we use our healing lessons that came up you know, around this new moon, which was uh, March 31st or April 1st, depending on where you're uh, in the world, where you were living in the world, and basically asking yourself, you know, what core wound got triggered? How, what kind of healing lessons do I have to learn about that core wound? And how can I use the healing lessons that came up over the next week as a platform for our next adventure, my next chapter, your next story that you want to write, you know? So, and we're going to we're going to go through how it shows up in each of the signs at the beginning of the second hour so you can you can listen to that if you want to know how it specifically relates to you as well yeah so again if you're already a member you have access to the second hour if not and you will have to gain access to the second hour of all podcast and also to support our work then please sign up to our membership at my website veilofreality.com and with that being said we'll see you all in the second hour thank you